the giant thinkers giant thinkers giant thinkers podcast hey guys welcome to the show I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. A big hello to you, giants. I'm Ram Castillo, and whether you're a longtime listener or first-time listener, welcome. This is episode number 50. Thank you all for your support on the podcast journey so far. It has been a privilege to bring you 50 guests since starting mid-2015. In this episode, we dig deep into an often overlooked topic, an area most of us take for granted, which is our eyes. Our guest has been a top practicing optometrist for over three decades, and he's one of Australia's most experienced eye doctors. Currently an adjunct senior lecturer at the University of New South Wales, he has also lectured internationally on advanced contact lens fitting, dry eye treatment, and computer vision syndrome. He was one of Australia's first optometrists to be qualified in ocular therapeutics and is currently an active member of the International Society of Contact Lens Specialists, the American Academy of Optometry, and Optometry Australia, to name a few. He also runs a very popular practice in Sydney's CBD on Market Street called The Eye Practice. Some of the topics we spoke about include how to manage the increasing epidemic of dry eyes, especially with our heavy use of digital tech, the importance of meibomian glands and meibomian gland dysfunction, something I personally suffer from, you'll hear more about that later on, the misconception and dangerous overuse of eye drop products, and how to overcome blue light damage and eye strain, a big one for designers and anyone using a computer daily. If you've ever been interested in eye health and what to do to take care of our precious eyes, this is for you. Before we begin, I'd like to recommend Treehouse. Treehouse is an online technology school that offers courses in web design and coding from HTML, CSS, PHP, to JavaScript, Python, and iOS in the space of web, mobile, and game development, taught by a team of in-house expert teachers. Now, it's an on-demand learning platform, so you can learn at your own pace and become job-ready within as little as six months. There are over a thousand high-quality video courses interactive tools, and a huge supportive community of students on Treehouse. One of my favorite features is that you can practice what you've learned through quizzes and interactive code challenges. This style of practicing will allow you to retain information so you can apply it to your own future projects or build out a professional portfolio. Giants, if you remember on episode 38, when I interviewed the chief creative officer of VaynerMedia, Steve Babcock, his answer when I asked him if he could travel back in time and speak to his younger self was... I would tell him to go to major in computer science. Wow. There you go. I really, if I could go, you know, everyone's always like, no regrets. No, if I could go back in time, I would be, I would have learned how to code. Wow. And, you know, the Gary V part of me is like, you could still do it. Dedicate half your day to this. And I'm like, eh, no, I'm not going to get it. I feel like, you know... Um, but like, man, that to me, if I would have known then how much power and ability and, and creation in today's world that would be, like to understand that language and to be able to code, because I'm always, it's not a shortage of like ideas, like, oh, this would be a great app, or this would be a really awesome service and a, and a site to make and da 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 And I just wish that I could be so, I wish I could just make that stuff. Now, the beautiful thing is that you don't even need a computer science degree to code and become a developer. What you do need are the foundational skills and a portfolio of projects that show what you can do. Treehouse teach the specific skills that are sought after by businesses around the world and relevant in today's economy. I encourage you to check out giantthinkers.com slash treehouse. They're giving the Giant Thinkers community a seven-day free trial, so you can try it out with no commitment. 
On top of that, if you're happy with the trial and thereafter continue to learn on Treehouse, let me know and I will personally give the first five students a one-hour Skype call coaching session each for free. So if you'd like to learn how to code, if you're interested in becoming a developer and are after the skills to get a job as one, head to giantthinkers.com treehouse. That's T-R-E-E-H-O-U-S-E. All right, time to get stuck in. I present to you the knowledgeable, easygoing, and super dedicated Dr. Jim Kokonakis. Dr. Jim, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast, mate. How are you? I'm very well, Ram. Thanks for inviting me to speak today. Thank you for being here, mate. Uh, I'm thrilled to have you on the show for two main reasons. Uh, firstly, you're my first ever guest on the area of eye health. And secondly, myself and the listeners, I'm sure we'll walk away with some well-needed advice to give our precious eyes some love. I hope so. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's something that has been brought to my attention. Thanks to you, actually. So uh, we'll dive into the first question, which is an icebreaker. Uh, for you, Doc, if you had to choose, would you rather be banned from using your smartphone for a year or be banned from eating your favorite dessert for a year? I could live with either of those, actually, because yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, I haven't got a sweet tooth, and um, smartphones don't don't um, turn me on much. Good, good answer. I like it. <laughs> we'll dive more into uh, the uh, the damaging smartphones um, <laughs> later on. But uh, for the audience, where would you say your expertise lies? Uh, other than eyes, of course, but uh, in subsections of eyes. Um, uh, first and foremost, I'm a contact lens specialist. But uh, since then, we've also developed a skill set in, uh, in dry eye management, which has taken over the world, it seems. For sure. And um, I actually uh, have um, noticed my eyes kind of, you know, go downward into that area of, of, of dryness and, and a lot of the listeners too. And uh, we'll, we'll open that can of worms in a minute. Um, can you tell us a little about your childhood and how you grew up? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, how about I start uh, with uh, starting a kindergarten and I couldn't speak a word of English. That was a challenging time, um, but that was uh, interesting. And uh, getting through that, uh, my always my uh, dream was to get into university. And I think it was really pushed uh, from my mum, really. And schooling was a big issue for us. And getting uh, into a higher education were, was important for her, and I, I guess it uh, rubbed off on me as well. Awesome. And where, would, where was that? Was that in Australia or was it overseas? In, in Australia, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I was born and bred in Australia, but um, being from a uh, Greek immigrant family, the, uh, I couldn't speak English until I was uh, started uh, kindergarten. And, um, yeah, and the, now I find myself, uh, I can't speak Greek all that well. Yeah, how was your how was your childhood like? Were you an active person? Or oh, very or active. A, yeah, yeah, always uh, probably hyperactive. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I I was uh, probably the uh, the class clown. Um, never a day went by. That was in the days when uh, uh, kids used to get belted into submission. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I caught my share at school, and uh, I don't think it did me much harm. I was uh, did okay, and I eventually got through the high school system and. Um, chose optometry of all yeah. things which I didn't even know what it was actually where did where did the interest come from do you think well I, at the I mean back then there were really only a few things you could do I mean remember I um, finished high school like 40 years ago and uh, back then there were really you became a lawyer an accountant a doctor uh, a dentist and I just missed out dentistry uh, in the HSC and and then I kept on going down the list of things to look at well what, what else could I do and there was this thing called optometry and I it was a one paragraph that described it and it said it had something to do with eyes and it sounded kind of medical so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm enrolled, I'm enrolled. Yeah. the rest is kind of history yeah wow so yeah. you must have grown to love it would you say oh or? absolutely I mean I, I don't think I'd I don't think I'd change this profession. You know, they're given a choice to go, go back. Um, and would I do anything different? Uh, of course, you could always do things differently, but um, it's, a, it's a beautiful job because you really can add value to someone's life. You turn people around. Um, they come in very, very distressed about their vision, which, of course, is their most uh, precious sense. 
and um, you've got an opportunity to really um, change someone's life. And it probably happens at least three or four times a week that you you think, wow, you know, that, that, geez, I'm glad I'm doing this job. Mm. That's, that's powerful stuff. Um, all right, mate, let's dive straight into the popular topic of dry eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps we start with the mechanics of a healthy functioning eye. Mm. Uh, what is actually happening to keep the eye lubricated and working smoothly? Okay. Well, there's a thing called a blinking mechanism that um, we've, we're kind of born with. And uh, there are two eyelids that uh, come together in that position. And apparently, I'm not sure how this has been worked out. Someone must have sat there and counted. But uh, apparently the average individual needs to blink 12,000 times a day. Now, that's a lot of times. I'm blinking rapidly right now, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that, that calculates out to about one every two seconds. And the lids, each time they touch together, they stimulate uh, a lacrimal gland that's, uh, that creates water. And there's uh, some glands in the eyelids that are called meibomium glands. They excrete oil into the tear film. And there is uh, another bunch of glands called goblet cells that live on the white part of the eye that's called the conjunctiva. And they excrete mucus. Now, all these three things, the lacrimal gland excretes water, the oil from the mammalian glands and the uh, mucus from the uh, goblet cells create a tear film. And when that is in equilibrium and um, the eye's happy, once that starts to break apart, then dry eye can set in and uh, it can be a a spiral to the bottom. Okay. So with the... uh I guess the situation that I've been in, um, mm. for the listeners, I've, I've come in to see Jim um, about my uh, meibomian glands, but not knowing that that was actually uh, a, a key part of my dry eyes. Um, what what are some of the main causes of, of dry eyes? Mm. Look, dry eye is multifactorial, and um, but in today's society. Uh, digital devices or staring at digital devices is what stunts the blinking mechanism uh, into slowing right down. And instead of blinking once every two seconds, I've, I've seen patients that blink one, once every 20 seconds. So the air is getting into the eye and from there the water gets evaporated. And then if you're not blinking enough, the glands are not being used enough and consequently the uh, oil isn't produced and therefore you, um, you end up with dry eye because there's not enough lubrication in the system. It's like uh, not having enough oil in an engine. The same process, you end up with friction, and the friction causes inflammation, burning, greediness, and very, very uncomfortable. So can you tell us what the meibomian glands are? Meibomian, M-E-I-B-O-M-I-A-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, meibomian glands, what are they and okay. and where are they and, and mm. what do they produce? Okay, so meibomian glands are oil glands. Uh, many of us might have heard of sebaceous glands that are in the, in the skin. Well, they're just sophisticated oil glands that are, live in the eyelids. And uh, as the eyelids touch each other, they, uh, the meibomian gland gets stimulated to then squirt a little bit of oil into the tear film and into the eye and to lubricate it. Yeah, this is... Um this is where the, the light bulb moments start happening for me mm, um, when you're mm. explaining this. Um, so uh, I'm sure many of the listeners will also be in the same situation where, so A, the blinking is, and, and you explain this to me, when, when the eyelids touch, they actually sort of swipe slightly ever, and we won't be able to see it, but no. in, in, in a tiny sort of fraction, it, it swipes, and then it, as it opens, it coats the eyeball, and it keeps... Um, the, the tear film, um, I guess, um, that tear film keeps the um, fluid from evaporating. The, right. is, is that correct? That's kind correct. Of, yeah. yeah, that's so, correct. So th- for me, A, I was exactly how you described, the mm-hmm. high usage of screens and devices. You're not unique. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my count was like I was blinking every 10 or 11 seconds, mm. which is horrific. Um, and incomplete. And incomplete. Sometimes... Mm they didn't even touch. Correct. My eyelids didn't even touch. Mm. And then that led to us figuring out that I need to be conscious of blinking Mm -hmm. as an exercise for me to do regularly so that the muscles in my eyelids can Mm -hmm. start kicking into gear like a, Mm -hmm. you know, like 
I guess if you were, you know, never to hit the gym, you mm. just kind of don't don't fulfill a lot of the range of motion that our bodies are capable of, Precisely. and therefore the muscles are just like yep. becoming. Um, I guess it's called atrophy. Know, yeah, atrophy. that's not a good word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wither away. They wither away. Use it or mm. lose it, kind mm. of thing. Um, that's it. So, yeah, I think the um, a lot of the misconception is that it's the um, would it, would you say it was called it was the tears or you know that 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 that's causing the dryness you know well, lack l- of tears lack of tears yeah lack of tears which is your and remember what we said the tear film was it's a combination of water water oil that's and it. mucus okay so yeah. if we break that down for example like the oil part mm. I think many people including mm. myself mm. until you brought it to my attention wouldn't have known that that was actually the thing in mm-hmm. my case mm-hmm. um, to some degree that was the problem not mm. the water part of it That's it's right. kind of like yep. I've had the water bit yep. but then it's and, and you know there are so many things like you know artificial drops and mm-hmm. all this stuff mm-hmm. um, which are water based water based not oil based mm. and so breaking it down the meibomian glands you said that we've got 20 mm-hmm. top bottom yep Top and bottom, both sides of the eye. Total of eighty. Total of total of eighty, mm-hmm. and if they are clogged, these mm-hmm. meibomian glands, mm-hmm. which secrete oil, mm-hmm. they then um, obviously are not coating the eye eye with with oil, right? <clears throat> causing dryness to a lot of people, um, also known as meibomian gland dysfunction. So let's dive into meibomian gland dysfunction. What are some of the things we can do to treat our meibomian glands to uh, kick them into gear if they're blocked? Okay. Oh, there's a whole host of things. Um, I have a philosophy in less is best, if possible. I mean, there is a thing that's called life to get on with. And, I mean, I could throw a million things at you, and I probably have thrown a million things at you because your dry eyes are interesting, to say the least. But um, blinking is nearly always the core of, of any treatment uh, that we uh, we instigate. So I don't know if you remember, but I, I think I did. I sent you an email with a list of things you need to do up front, and the first thing we nearly always say is blinking exercises. Of course, we can go through that a bit later on and uh, what the detail of that is. Blinking exercises, of course, stimulates the oil, but often the oils, like you said before, is clogged up because of it's just stagnated and solidified within the gland. So warm compressors uh, and finger massage will, of course, stimulate that. That needs careful explanation. There are many ways of doing it and many incorrect ways uh, that have uh, promoted. And all, most of this stuff we've discovered by trial and error, I've got to admit. It, uh, you know, what we learned at university and what actually applies today um, is uh, very, very far apart. So that, that's, the, that's the basics. Then, of course, there's dietary issues. Um, and many of us lack omega-3 in our, um, in our diets. And, you know, like you said before, flaxseed oil, uh, fish oil, uh, I- important to, uh, to consider, especially if your diet isn't good. Lack of vitamin D is a major issue with um, stimulating oil glands in the, in the human body. Now, we're an indoor society now. Digital devices are taking us inside. We don't get enough sun. And the... The darker your skin, the more sun you need. Uh, as an example, um, African-Americans are probably the most vitamin D deficient uh, race in the world and because they, they've been taken out of the sun and they've been shoved in an office and getting a bit of sun is a good thing. Uh, we've been brainwashed over the course of the last uh, 20 or 30 years. Get out of the sun, you'll get skin cancer. Now, even though, that, of course, that, there is truth in that, um, everything is required in moderation, and we've swung the pendulum the other way now. And uh, so there's are just a few other things that um, you can do to basic things that um, don't cost you a, a penny. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So um, I think that's really important. So number one, blinking more often. Um, can you give us an example of what we can do immediately to, um, I guess, keep in mind as a minimum? Mm-hmm. Like, are there any exercises we should do yeah. morning or night through, mm. you know, mm. lunch periods. Mm. I don't mm. know. What, what do you think? 
Look, a lot of you've got to remember blinking is a very instinctive thing to do. It's like asking someone to breathe more frequently or better. I mean, how, how are you going to do that? Because you don't think about doing these things. It just happens naturally. Now, um, we, my, I like uh, because we every all of us carry a smartphone, uh, except for me, of course. Um, the, the, you can download an app to uh, beep at you every hour or so, and I think a reasonable a reasonable amount of time is probably once an hour. You you do twenty solid blinks and then go on with uh, what you're doing. What I tend to say to uh, people though is that if you're going to stop for twenty seconds and blink, why don't you just stand and stretch your neck out and back out? Because normally we're seated, staring at a screen, and we've got everyone's got back problems, everyone's got neck problems now. You heard of tech neck? You know, that's a uh, tech neck. Not heard that one. Yeah, well, yeah, you'll get one. <laughs> tech neck's coming. Yeah, that's coming Heads next. Up. That's coming next. Um, that's That comes from staring at a digital phone or a, a smartphone and you you tend to bend your neck down and hyperextend your neck down and it stretches all the tendons and, um, and ligaments in your neck and you end up with uh, inflammation in your neck. Great, isn't it? <laughs> so while, while you're doing your blinking, stand physically stand, look look outside probably in the distance and uh, blink 20 times. Sit back down again and get back to work. And that should be repeated every hour. Every hour. And we call that the 20-20-20 rule. Mm. In fact, every hour. Um, if you can manage it every 20 minutes, it's even better. Yeah. But, of course, that does interfere with your life, and that's why we say 20-20-20. Every 20 minutes, physically stand for 20 seconds and look into the distance and blink 20 times. Yeah. And you were also saying to me previously that, oh, how we would all be so fine if we lived in the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Without oh. air conditioning, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like this yeah. whole lifestyle thing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we, not all of us no, do. Well, none of us can. <laughs> yeah. the, the, I, as jokingly, I, I say, well, I've got, a, I've got a cure for you. And it's really simple. You need to go to, say, the uh, island of Fiji yeah. and uh, look at the trees all day. You mm. can't go wrong. You know, you, you'll, be, you'll be a lot better, I guarantee you. It might take you a, a week, a month, and you'll, be, you'll feel cured. Yeah. But um, we don't have that luxury. So I'm piecing this together where we're not, as, we're not blinking as much because um, we're looking at screens, which um, when we're consuming content, mm-hmm. reading or video or whatever, mm-hmm. um, our attention is on that thing. And we're now retraining our eyelids to blink less often. That's right. And so we need to be conscious of this, raise our awareness, stop even at the bare minimum um, every hour or so, um, get our, out of out of your, your desk area, I guess, mm-hmm. um, maybe look out as well, get some fresh air, stretch, all that. Um, very helpful tips that I've now started to incorporate. Um, now, you also mentioned um, warm compress. Mm-hmm. I've personally not had much luck with um, like a, a moist towel type thing. Mm-hmm. It kind of disappears within a minute the heat useless yeah so i've um i've been using and we've been discussing this doc uh the wheat bag that you microwave mm-hmm. and it's and it's a pretty decent size can cover your whole face and um for me um i can easily put a a, a towel or a, or a tea towel of some sort in between that if it's too hot and then keep keep using it um and and basically it lasts for a good 10 minutes for Mm. me and is that the best 10 minutes of your day or what yeah it's relaxing it's super relaxing as well i've been doing that at least in the evenings Mm. um so that's where i can get um the the heat Mm -hmm. um you mentioned massaging the eyelids right can you give us um a brief example of like the amount of pressure we should use and how we can go about massaging it it's it, a little bit difficult without uh, showing, but um, you use your index finger looking up to the ceiling and uh, press on the eyelid on the near the eyelashes. But you've got to be pressing against the white part of the eye as opposed to onto the coloured part of the eye that's called the iris. The coloured part of the eye tends to be quite sensitive, so if you press through your eyelid onto the coloured part of the eye, you, you'll know about it pretty quick. So you need to be pressing on the white part of the eye. How how much pressure? Well, that's that's a great question. I normally will show that in the in the chair and um, actually press my finger on your eyelid to show you what to feel. But um, you don't you mustn't be uncomfortable. I think that's uh, really the key. If it don't starts to be uncomfortable, it's not. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we were also discussing about how online I stumbled across some videos where and there were old school videos as well. I could tell by the quality of it, but um, there were. Um, certain eye doctors out there who were expelling through a metal instrument (laughs) 
and, and you were laugh. saying don't, don't do that <laughs> that's, that's like dangerous yeah, yeah that's barbaric so that is like way too much oh for sure and i've had patients that actually have just picked up anything basically and put it like a, a paddle pop stick right and use that to try and uh squash the oil out of the I mean, that's just insane yeah. you know the, these are very delicate tissues and you really need to be guided by uh, a proper eye doctor you know to make sure that you're not going to damage your eye uh, instruction is critical yeah yeah so um key takeaway <laughs> i guess is to uh obviously go to your go to your specialist eye doctor um but uh jim has taught me um face to face how and and it has um been kicking my my bohemian glands um into gear slightly and and it's just literally as as jim described um on the bottom sort of like 10 5 to 10 seconds across the eye line yep. on the bottom and then at the top as well i then now look down and then the the eyelids again same thing there mm. um but uh please uh don't take <laughs> this as gospel <laughs> no, um, not, on, not with audio <laughs> not with audio and then we spoke about um the nutrients and things like krill oil fish oil mm-hmm. flaxseed oil mm-hmm. your omegas basically mm-hmm. um and the vitamin d that we need from the sun mm-hmm. um vitamin e and, mm-hmm. and other things but um what generally can we do from from that point of view like how how much is mm-hmm. is 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 adequate yeah look i think a, a good rule of thumb is probably three grams a day three grams of whatever some people will say, okay, three, that means if I have 33, maybe I'm going to be 10 times better. And, of course, uh, no. Um, everything in moderation is really the key. Anything can be toxic or therapeutic depending on the dosage and the frequency that you take. So just keep that in mind. Three grams a day is uh, going to be enough to uh, keep you in balance. Three grams. Three grams of omega oil. Of omegas. That's 3,000... 3,000 milligrams. MG. 3,000 MG, that's right. Good to know, good Mm. to know, because there's like (laughs) so many uh, available on the market there. Millions, millions. Um, Since we're on the topic of all that, Mm. um, what about food recommendations? Is there any like studies that have shown a certain type of food that's just generally great for eye health? No, look, uh, yes, but uh, probably not in the context of dry eye. Uh, green leaf vegetables are known to be very high in an antioxidant called lutein. The, the biggest or the highest um, or the biggest reason for blindness in, a, in an age group over 60 is a condition called macular degeneration. And that's due, well, one of the causes is a lack of uh, lutein within the eye. So ingesting uh, green leaf vegetables or something or a, uh, an antioxidant capsule that is high in lutein is, uh, is appropriate. So let's dive into um, per- perhaps what macular generation, mm. the degeneration is. Yep. Well, that's pretty scary, macular degeneration, um, because like as I said before, it's the highest, the, the reason that um, people go blind uh, later in life, the highest cause of it. Um, now, when I say that, it probably... You know, by the age of, say, 80, maybe le- probably be less than 5% of the population will have gone blind. So that means 95% haven't. So let's not uh, panic about it. But at the end of the day, uh, an eye test after the age of 40 will uh, reveal the beginnings of it. If you see... Now, w- w- the question was, what is it? Okay, so the, the back of the eye is called the retina, and there's a, a central area that's called the macula that we use for very fine detail vision. So whenever you look directly at something, you're using your macula. And the macula is very highly um, organized with um, nerve fibers to be able to uh, absorb a visual image. Now, if those nerve fibers uh, end up uh, dying or withering away, of course, uh, with that goes your vision. So we are what we eat. And um, diet is one of the uh, things with uh, macular degeneration, as is um, uh, genetics, of course. I mean, genetics uh, pretty well drives everything. And where does eye pressure fit mm. in? Eye pressure is related to an eye condition called glaucoma. Glaucoma, that's yeah, the one. That's yep. the one. Yeah. Now, the glaucoma actually affects the optic nerve. That's off to the side from the macula, yeah, if we call it, if we're looking at it sort of uh, geographically. It's off to the side. The optic nerve you can think of as a fibre optic cable that comes from your brain and plugs into the back of your eye. 
Now, as the, if the pressure inside the eye starts to increase, it puts pressure on that fibre optic cable that's called your optic nerve, and then the optic nerve fibres start to wither away, and with that goes your vision. But the scary thing about glaucoma is that it's known as the thief of sight, and the reason it's known as that is, is that it's been shown for someone to know or notice their vision going funny they've lost 60% of their vision at that point in time. Now, because you lose your peripheral vision first, you don't lose your central vision in glaucoma first. You lose it peripherally. So it comes in on you very gradually and you make head movements to adjust and you don't even know it's happening. Macular degeneration, on the other hand, affects the central part of the vision. Got it. So, so if you get both at the same ahead. time, you're in, uh, it's not good. <laughs> Right, so so when you say central part of the vision, it's straight ahead vision. Straight ahead vision, yeah. And peripheral is glaucoma. Glaucoma. Mm. It creeps in mm. from the side mm. uh, of your vision. <clears throat> comes in. It's called, called tunnel vision, actually. So eventually, your vision comes. In. What is a normal range of eye pressure? And, That's and, an interesting question. Mm. Um, what's a normal? What's a normal height? Uh, so right. So um, let's make up a number. Yeah. Right. So in pressure, it's measured in millimeters of mercury, yep. just like atmospheric pressure is, and um, it's we think it's about fifteen. Now here's the irony of the pressure story, though, is that you can have high pressure and never get glaucoma. Mm. You can have low pressure and get glaucoma. So there's another fact. There's more to it than just pressure. Got it. And it's also how structurally sound your optic nerve is. If you have a little bit of pressure on, a, on an unsound or um, uh, weak optic nerve, it'll wither away quicker than someone else. So how do we, how do we keep our pressures on point? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, an eye test. You know, you've got to come in and there, there's three parts to the glaucoma eye test. Right. Number one is observe the optic nerve. So you need someone that knows what they're looking at uh, look at the optic nerve, and there are certain signs that it's not looking healthy, number one. Number two, measure the pressure, because you, we need to know what your baseline pressure is. So if you're always at 15, and then all of a sudden you come in uh, five or six years later and it's 25, okay, that's a significant change. We need to look more carefully now and maybe treat that. And last but not least is measure the peripheral vision, the side vision. Um, that's actually not routinely done in an eye test, believe it or not. Mm. And um, we do. Uh, we've been doing per, uh, peripheral vision checks for the last 20 years because, we were, you know, it only takes uh, two minutes. So why wouldn't you do it? But, again, often it's um, not done as a routine eye exam. Yeah, okay. And do we, would we just request this with our, with our eye checkups? Yeah. You say, look, are you going to do a peripheral vision check? And okay. they'll probably say no. And then you say, why not? Please do. <laughs> can, can, you please, can you please do it? Right? Because, again, if the, more, the more data you have on a person, it's the, the reality about any eye disease, whether it be dry eye, whether it be glaucoma, whether it be macular degeneration, it's change over time that counts. So we're born with a certain baseline, and then hopefully we maintain it for as long as possible because the journey of life is slow degeneration. I hate to tell you, you're young. You you don't know. You don't realise these things yet. <laughs> it, it's 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 good to know early, isn't it? <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> trying to keep it positive yeah, here. It's, it's um, positive. No, it's all that's good. good. That's it's all no, good. It's, this is uh, you, above you know, ground. Is good. Real talk. Real talk. Um, <laughs> and and probably worth mentioning, just expressing um, and and giving knowledge to the uh, the eye doctor that you see. Right. It's kind of like. Yeah. Look, I'm feeling this. I've never felt this before. Right. Or you know, maybe you yeah. found out. Maybe you ask your, your your family members. You know, who has had glaucoma? Mm. Family history is important. Family history, yep, for sure. All that always is. Yeah. Now uh, let's go into eye drops a mm -hmm. bit more. Um, there are so many things available on the shelf. Mm. Um, you've schooled me on what not to, to do mm -hmm. and what not to use and why. Um, can you kind of dive into this subject matter a little bit yeah. um, over the counter lubricants or mm -hmm. artificial tears? Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I have been using them for years and years and years and it's not such a good idea no, in the long look, term. It all, all comes down to uh, everything's okay in moderation. You know, putting an eye drop in your eye here and there is fine. So that's not a problem. 
what the, where the problem starts is that you your eyes start feeling dry. You go to the usually the first stop is the pharmacist because you know you couldn't be bothered going to the GP or the optometrist because it's a, it needs an appointment and there's a, a lot more time involved. So you'll just go to the pharmacist and you say, uh, Mr. Pharmacist, my eyes feel a bit dry, and they say, Well, I've got a drop for you, and you know the eyes dry. Well, let's wet it. Sounds logical, right? Okay. Now, the drops that you'll get invariably come in a bottle. Bottle drops normally have preservatives in them. And they're there for a reason, because if you don't have uh, preservatives in a bottled eye drop, germs will breed in that bottle. So they put the, the preservatives there for a good reason, and that's to make sure that it controls germs. The problem is, is that the surface of the eye can be very irritated by these preservatives. And then all you're doing then is putting something that's actually toxic on the surface that's there to kill germs, and it also kills the cells of your eyes. That's no good. So any eye drops that you're going to think of using, in my opinion, should be preservative-free. And you get many available. Um, and, and if you have to use drops, in my opinion, more than twice a day, you're in trouble. You've got problems. And it needs more uh, 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 a deeper evaluation to make sure that um, you don't get on the vicious cycle of one drop become is firstly is every four hours, then it becomes every two hours, then every once an hour, and then I've got I've got patients that have put drops in every twenty minutes, and they they're actually not doing anything else other than waiting for the next hit. They become virtually like heroin addicts. It's just it's just horrific, you know. And and unfortunately, um, it's it comes from historically is if the eyes dry, let's wet it. And the reality is there is no eye drop on this planet that will mimic your tear film properly. None. That and, again, and again, the tear film is broken up into? Water. Yep. Oil, a special oil called mybomium oil, and, and mucus. Now, there is no eye drop with this, con- uh, this concentration of um, ingredients. You know, this, that, this unique recipe. Now, whoever designed eyes did a damn good job, I can tell you now. Unfortunately, uh, the way society runs today is, is we're trying to unravel everything. And the over-the-counter drops yep. are water-based? Most of them. Most of them, yeah. Yep. But even, even the, there are oil-based ones as well, but the oil is not mybomium oil. It's something artificial as well. And consequently, even it's, it's reasonable. But again, if you have to use it more than twice a day, you've got problems you're far better to try and harvest your own oil, your own water, yep. your own mucus. And this is where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, struck a, it struck a chord with you, hasn't it? This is where I'm yeah. at. And yeah. hence, um, you know, it's been a long-term problem for mm. me personally. I was the guy that was putting in the drops mm. easily four times a day. Yeah, well, that's not so bad. It's the, I've got patients doing it 40 times a day. That, that's horrific. Like, it, it, you, there is no way you can get better. There is no way. If you're at 40 times a day, you've got to go cold turkey. And I've got patients that uh, come in and I say, look, we're going to um, cut the drops out. And it's they like, it's like, oh, they freak. It's, yeah. it's just a psychological disaster. Wow. But hey, we get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, is, there is certainly um, mm. change that, that happens because I, I have been off them, mm. thanks, to you, <laughs> thanks to you, Doc. Now I'm back on them. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see how we'll we go in, again, in, in another yeah, couple of months. Yeah, um, you'll, you'll, be off, you'll be off them. Now, blue light, hmm. the topic of blue light. Yep. Um, what could it be doing yeah. That's a good to question. us? Could. Um, yeah, what could it be doing <laughs> uh, to, to potentially damage mm-hmm. our eyes? Um, and are there any preventative measures we can take? Hmm. All right, blue light, again, is, um, is the digital age. Computer screens originally were something called CRT screens. They were really old, these big clunky things. And the light that was emitted from the, the, uh, those particular screens were low energy light. And in the reds, the greens. Once you hit the blue, blue and violet colours, the that's the high energy end of the visible spectrum of light. One step away from that is ultraviolet light. Now, we all have heard of ultraviolet light. We're scared about ultraviolet light. We've been brainwashed about uh, ultraviolet light over the course of a generation now, is get out of the ultraviolet light from the sun because it causes cancer. We, know, we all know that. Well, blue light, again, we're not here to cause a panic, but it's one step away from ultraviolet light. 
And too much of anything, as I said before, is usually not a good thing. Now, all the virtually all the digital devices that have been since the iPhone got invented. Um, ironically, it's called the Retina Display, by the way. The uh, the iPhone uh, that, that that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, every every company has LED screens now, whether it be smartphones, laptops, uh, iPads, doesn't matter. All emit. Uh, blue excess blue light. Now, what we don't know is over the course of the next generation, uh, this exposure to this extra blue light that we haven't had before, what that is going to mean. And there are many, many experiments that have been done on animals. And, and even, I mean, there are human experiments as well where they showed uh, surgeons were doing eye surgery using microscopes with intense uh, LED microscopes that were shining light on retinas for about 20 minutes and basically giving people blind spots, permanent ones. This is true. I'm not making this up, right? Now, this probably happened 10 or 15 years ago and the penny dropped and then they started putting filters in their light sources and then lo and behold, no more retina damage uh, in their surgery. So now what are we doing? We're looking at uh, iPads and screens and TVs and telephones, and um, it's emitting a lot of light. So the the big issue, I think, is the proximity. The closer you hold the digital device, the more intense that light is on your eye. So what's the thing that you hold the closest? The phone, right? Now, the phone, we can't sleep. People sleep with their phones. (laughs) It's just insane, right? It's 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 part of our body now. It's, we can't let it go. It's like a, it's another drug that we, we have. And looking at this potentially um, might have repercussions. I've I got a feeling that the younger you are when you start looking at a phone, and now, of course, we have two-year-olds that uh, are given an iPad to play with in a restaurant because it shuts them up, um, it's, and that's a fact. You know, a developing eye like that, what is that going to mean in the next 20, 30, 40 years? That's a great question. I don't, I don't even want to think about it. Oh, mate. <laughs> so with filters yes. you mentioned, I can see on the market there's, mm. you know, these screen yep. filters you can put over the top of screens yep. um, on your, I mean, I've got an iPhone. It's mm. got the feature to put it on night mode. Yep, should be and, on all day. Yeah, and, and I, <laughs> I do that on all day now. Um, yeah. Even even on your laptops or your mm-hmm. desktop computers, you can put a, a screen over the top of that. And you don't then, even a lot of the screens now. Sorry to interrupt. No, go for a it. A lot of the screens now actually have within the settings uh, low blue light options, and you can actually get into the. A lot of people don't like fiddling around with settings on computers, but it's, it's not that hard. Um, and you can get you can pick low blue light options uh, there as well. And the other thing we haven't really talked about is actually LED lights in ceilings as well. Now. Tell me about that. Well, <laughs> the government, in their great wisdom, um, sent around a whole bunch of people to change everyone's light globes uh, a while back from the normal halogen to LED. Why? Because they're very cost-effective. They don't draw electricity. They're nice and bright and vibrant and emit a bucket full of blue light. Is that right? Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, um, I had it happen to me. I mean, I had uh, these guys come around and, oh, geez, I thought I'd, I love things for free. You know, they said, Yuka, we're here to the government send us. No, this is true. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> this is a true story. And um, so a while back, and they come in and we, we're here to change all your light globes in your house. And they said, How many globes do you have? I said, Oh, about 150 or 160 globes. They go, Those down lights. And, uh, and they said, oh, we'll change them all for free. I said, oh, beautiful, right? Fortunately, at the time I thought it was unfortunate, but fortunately at the time they didn't have the fitting to actually change the globes. They had to leave and uh, I didn't change my globes. And later on I found out that the halogen is probably healthier for you. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. So I mean, I, I really don't. For someone like me that uses uh, glasses, specs, mm. uh, majority of the day mm. and night, um, do you recommend that it is implemented with blue light protection of some type? Yeah, I do. Um, how much benefit that's going to give you in the next 20 or 30 years, is your guess is as good as mine, but it doesn't do any harm. And, uh, again, I've, 
I'm quite defensive when it comes to blue light, and I've got it in my glasses. There's uh, very few people will leave our practice without a blue blocking filter in their glasses now. Uh, there are a few occupations, like um, designers, as an example. They need to be colour critical. Unfortunately, if you have a blue light filter in those, you you can misperceive uh, colour somewhat. But uh, the rest of us, that colour doesn't mean much. Yeah, um, it's, it's just fine. That's exactly what I was going to ask as well. Um, with with the audience, uh, many of them who who are designers, mm. um, who would need to, I guess, I guess my thinking would be having a more than one pair of glasses oh, for, sure. for one, and then maybe just swapping out when it's um, colour sensitive types yeah, exactly. of tasks. Yeah, and look, you'd have to remember. You got to remember that when you're trying to design something, I imagine there's a lot of concentration that goes into that. And to remember to keep swapping around is, is a nuisance. But look, if you can manage it, it's going to, it can't be harmful. And I think it's quite beneficial. Mm, options, options are there. Uh, let's talk about causes of eye strain, mm. which kind of ties into all of this um, intensive computer mm. usage we're yep. all in now. Um, mm. You get hundreds of people coming oh, yeah. in um, week yeah. in, week out, yep. complaining about their eye strain. Mm. I've personally had some eye strain problems. Mm. Um, What's causing it, do you think? Oh, it's uh, using your eyes for what they were never designed to do. You know, that um, you can think uh, of looking up close or reading or looking at a digital device, and it, it also means reading a book for that matter. There is a muscular effort that's involved in uh, focusing in on that, on that uh, near vision. And the eyes were really never designed to do hours and hours of uh, near work. We're designed to look at the trees. You know, remember the Fiji analogy? So, Go into Fiji and uh, look at the trees all day. That's what we designed to do. Booking a trip yeah. after this interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very, very therapeutic. You ask a person now, how many hours do you look at digital devices for? And they'll probably say, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe six. And it's probably more like 14. And, that, and that's a reality. Now, we're only awake for 16. Well, many of the uh, digital insomniacs now are probably awake for 20. But let's say you get a normal eight-hour sleep, you're probably looking at a digital device for 90% of that time. All of that time is eye straining. Your eye muscles are cramped. Imagine, imagine you squatting and hold the squat and do that for 16 hours. How do you think your legs are going to feel? Shredded. That's right. <laughs> and you're say, oh, but it's not, aren't they going to get stronger? No. Yeah. There's also a tipping point that's called fatigue. Yeah, you know, and uh, and then the rest is history. You know, so you're going to get regular breaks. So, with uh, exercises that um, a lot of people get after an eye assessment, you know, um, for, I've been given some over the years. Mm. Get a pencil, put it in right. between your eyes, right. start near, go right. far, do that a couple of times, right. strengthen the the muscles there. Mm. Um, do any of these improve? vision um, or, or, or eyesight, would you say? Or? It can, yeah. uh, but it, it really depends on the individual. You know, you just don't give everyone um, pencil push-ups uh, just for the fun of it. A lot of us have a very good, it's, that's what's called a convergence exercise where the eyes are converging um, together. But you've got to remember when you're looking at a screen all day, your eyes are actually converging. So you're getting that exercise anyway. It's actually too much exercise that's actually the problem. Got it. So you need to unravel those muscles back again, hmm. you know, and, and constant movement is what is important as opposed to being static in one position. You, you've told me before as well just to, like, look out as well, like look right. out. Yep. Look out into the distance yeah, yeah, for crying yeah. out loud. There's a lot of nice things out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all on the screen. Yeah, yeah. and isn't it you, sometimes, you know, you, you blink, hate to say it, and then it's days gone. It feels right. like, and that's, yeah, that's, exactly that's that not good. It's not good. You've just lost that day. Think about it too. Life's too short, mate. Yeah. Times <laughs> however many days, years right. into this industry that yeah. we're in. That's it. Um, we'll, with whatever computer usage yeah. that you're, you're in. Um, yeah, we really got to get take <laughs> this our- This depressing, this talk, isn't it's, it? This is why it's I wanted good. you to come on the show. It's to, <laughs> to really unravel yeah. all of this stuff. Um, a few more questions for sure. you, Doc. Um what is your opinion on contact lens usage versus day-to-day prescription glasses or even laser eye surgery? All, all great options. 
Let, let me. Uh, there's a bit of a story to this. So uh, let me start uh, in 1996. In 1996, there was a. Uh, they just uh, introduced a laser procedure called LASIK at the time, and by coincidence, a couple of patients uh, strolled in to my office, and they had a damn good result. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is going to be uh, the end of optometry, the end of eye care, because everyone's going to have their eyes lasered and there's no more glasses, no more contact lenses. What am I going to do? I can't drive a cab. You know, so uh, this is true. Right? <laughs> it's a true story. There's Uber now, Doc, as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, lo and behold, by coincidence, there was an advertisement in our optometrical newspaper that invited optometrists to come and uh, have an interview to become the first optometrist in the country to join a laser eye centre. And I thought to myself, you know what, this is going to be me. So I put my best tie on, went to the interview, and uh, anyway, I uh, got the job. And I thought, oh, beautiful, my, my career is saved. Well, uh, about a year later, after consulting, I was only doing it part-time because I was still running my, uh, my own private practice. About a year later, I'd come to the conclusion that I still had a job. And why was that? Well, it wasn't because laser surgery is no good. Laser surgery is actually a great procedure. For most people, you end up with outstanding results. The problem is, is that most people just chicken out. They overthink it and they don't do it. So 2% of the population in 1998 was having laser vision correction that wore glasses. What do you think that percentage is today? Ooh. Have a guess. Who are having laser eye surgery yeah. today? What percentage of spectacle wearers? 16%? 2%. Still. Still. And that 2% represents a portion of the population that are risk takers. Got it. The rest of us chicken out. You know, what happens if something goes wrong? What happens? Well, you could go blind. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah. How many have I seen? None. But, <laughs> but it can happen. Sure. And you can have all sorts of complications. But the reality is it's more dangerous driving a car. So if you're too scared to have laser surgery, you better stop driving a car. Now, no one stops driving, and most people don't have laser surgery. Eyes are too precious. They're very emotional. And consequently, I'm still an optometrist and dealing with eye strain. Now, having said that, if you have laser eye surgery and then you're doing a lot of computer work, you can get a lot of dry eye problems. In fact, 5% um, to 10% of the people that have laser eye surgery will end up with severe dry eye problems after laser eye surgery. It just tickles on, uh, tickles your tear film a bit too much. And um, so, but 90% have a great result. In fact, probably 95% of people with laser, that have laser eye surgery are very satisfied and 5% aren't. So if you're one of the 5%, whatever the reason, doesn't matter whether it's dry eye, whether it's um, the vision is not clear enough, but very rarely is it a complication. Moving on to maybe contact lenses. In Australia, the penetration of contact lenses is around about 8 to 10% of the population. Most people wear glasses. 90% of people wear glasses. And the reason is, is that they're just easier. You put them on, you take them off. They're kind of cool to wear these days as well. I mean, back in the day, they were ugly. Now there's a million options. Uh, they've become a big fashion item. We get people who wouldn't believe corporates that come in and they request glasses and they've got no prescription. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be right. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, they, they, need, uh, they need to change statement. their image or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not particularly fashion conscious, but at the end of the day, yeah. So yep. still most people are wearing glasses. Yeah, so so I've, I've had both contact lenses right. and, um, and specs now, and mm. I don't wear contacts anymore mm. due to my dry eye. Mm. So it sounds like it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a lifestyle thing as well as a... Yeah, as well as a, I guess, convenience thing in, yeah, in that yeah. in that regard yeah. as well. And for um, sure, and playing sport. If I can give you some statistics on this now, if I told you that seventy percent of people failed in contact lenses within ten years, what would you say about that? Failed, as failed. In, they can't wear them anymore. It's not good. Why? Well, many reasons. Um, I think, uh, and and everyone's to blame, in my opinion, from the pharmaceutical companies that um, distribute the contact lenses to the practitioners that supposedly educate the patient to the patient's non-compliance. Now, they're a medical device. They're a bit of plastic that sits on your eye. 
your most precious organ, remember? Very important, these eyes. And we're putting a bit of plastic and we think that we're buying peanuts, you know, where they're a commodity item. And unfortunately, they're not. You know, they're, they're a medical device and they need to be respected. So let's get back to uh, preservatives. A lot of people are using reusable contact lenses that they store in solutions because they need to be refreshed and they need to be sterilized. Sterilized, And guess what is in those solutions? Preservatives. Now, what did we say about preservatives in eye drops before? They're no good to the eye. Well, if you use contact lenses day in, day out with preserved solutions, eventually you hit a brick wall. And it's been shown, not definitively proved yet, but I'm fairly confident that we'll prove this one day, that meibomian gland dysfunction is caused by contact lens solutions. The preservatives are inflammatory and they irritate the orifices or the openings of the meibomian gland, swell them up and block them. Wow. Mm. One of the reasons. One of the reasons, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's many reasons. But and I'll insert here. There, I, 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 am, uh, I can see that because I, I, I did find that when I was using it over the course of a good two and a half years, it started to really mm. aggravate me. But whereas you've started off okay. I started fine and yeah. it was really comfortable and everything. Were you wearing monthly disposable? Or were you, yes, yeah, exactly. There you go. So I was I literally at lenses. the end of the night, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't throw them out. I'd of course. I'd put them in my little container thing. Do you wear the same pair of underwear for a month? Uh, <laughs> n- never have. <laughs> I hope not. Um, and, and, that's uh, how I get people off them. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and, and I'll just insert Sorry, here. No, that was great. Um, I will insert here as well that I have used uh, Roaccutane. And oh, I, I, I mentioned, forgot, we forgot about that. Yeah, didn't we? so I mentioned that to you, and and I. That's my theory because mm-hmm. I used it. I think on average, at the time. Okay, we're talking. Jeez, uh, let me do the math here. Like 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I used, when I got off it. Right. But at the time, people who had used it, friends included, were using it maybe six, seven months. Right. I used it a little bit more than that, mm-hmm. probably about eight, mm. eight and a half, mm. maybe. And it worked because right. I, I had severe acne and all that. But here's the thing you mentioned sebaceous glands. That's right which secrete oil. Mm-hmm. And what does Rakutane do? Rakutane uh, s- uh, makes those sebaceous glands smaller. Right. And, and they even when you get off it, mm-hmm. they never grow back to normal size. Correct. They remain slightly smaller than before. Yep. Yep. And I'm only realizing this now. Due You're to not my, the only one. Due to my <laughs> meibomian glands being part of the sebaceous gland family, right. I guess you could say. Is that, right. is that right, That's Doc? exactly right, yeah. And so I'm hitting this brick wall of going, huh, I've never had dry eyes until mm-hmm. very recently it's catching up with me. And I think, that's my theory, that so precaution here for those, because I, I know a lot of people use Rakutane. Oh, um, it's, it's, I've got people that have got a, one blemish on their face and they jump into Rakutane. Oh, right, okay. Well, mine was... <laughs> Absolutely no. You had bad acne, right? It was like, pretty bad. So did I as a kid, actually. Yeah. In fact, when Rakutane first got invented, I saw it on TV. I think it was on Current Affair or something at the time, and this was in the 70s. And I had severe acne, and I went straight to the doctor who sent me to a dermatologist and said, oh, you wouldn't want to use that stuff's toxic. Yeah, great. <laughs> that's, no that's one told 70s. me that. No, well, anyway. Look, it, it is used a lot, and um, the thing is, is that it, it, everything in moderation is the answer. So... Too much of anything's no good. And sometimes if you've got severe acne, racutane's a good thing, but you don't, what's, don't overuse it mean. Unfortunately, you have to be guided by your dermatologist. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, look, that's, there's, there's so many um, <laughs> things that you mentioned that could be affecting these, these precious meibomian glands. Oh, yeah. um, and I think... Um, They're precious, you're right. We, we can certainly talk about this mm. um, for, for days and days of, of the reasons that clog them up and, mm. and you know, even, even now we're kind of playing uh, Sherlock Holmes on mine. Mm. Um, there's lots of reasons, um, even things like, you know, um, air conditioning, yep. um, drying them out. You know, if you're, if you're like me and you catch, you know, lots of flights, um, mm. being in an airplane, mm-hmm. just those environments I think, A, can clog them up and, and, and B, they certainly don't help. Um yeah. Uh, and then the blinking side of things, the nutrition, all of that. Um, it's really helpful stuff. Um, now, Dr. Jim, if uh, this is, this one's 
for all my guests, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. speak to your junior self, your younger self, right. uh, the youngster finishing high school, yeah. perhaps, cool. what would you tell him? What would I tell him? Oh, geez, look, I, I always uh, have to say I wanted to be a, an eye surgeon, I've got to say. Um, that's just another level up again. Um, probably study harder. <laughs> but again, I, if you think back, I, I played a lot of sport and uh, would I take that away? No. I, uh, so I, I, if given a choice of uh, becoming a doctor and um, like a, a proper surgeon and playing less sport, no, I'd take the sport every day of the week. So I wouldn't change a thing, I think. What sport did you play? Uh, footy. Nice. Touch, touch footy and uh, tackle football. Very good. Glad I survived. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like a lot of my friends now have, some of them have many different assets, I guess you could call mm. oh, it, yeah. but they've never left the country. That's right. You know, and uh, vice versa. On my life's end, too I, short. I've, I've traveled the world, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I'm, and I wouldn't change a thing. And, and I think, yeah, it's kind of where do your riches lie, you know? Um, now, uh, here's one for you. I, who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, maybe that person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential. Look, there's always many people that um, that contribute to that. But I see myself lucky because uh, in my profession, well, look, I can start with my mother. I mean, she was always never had an education and uh, the top of her list was you got to get an education. So I'll attribute the first uh, start of my career to her. Then it's a matter of where your mentors are. Who are your mentors? You know, I, um, I bumped into a fellow called uh, Robert Falls uh, in the uh, early 80s and uh, he um, inspired me to uh, buy the practice and um, taught me the beginnings of contact lenses. Uh, upstairs from him was another fellow called uh, Penryn Thomas. Penryn Thomas was the grandfather of contact lenses in Australia, the first contact lens practitioner in Australia, and I was lucky to be two floors below him. And then he retired and he came and practised two days a week out of my practice. So I learnt uh, a lot from him. Wow. Yeah, I uh, was very lucky. Um, from there, I've also been lucky because uh, my, my wife has also been uh, my rock. You know, she, you know, if, if ever I'm uh, despondent about something or I, I need to make a decision and I'm, um, you know, uh, I'm spinning my tyres, she says, just make the decision, will you? You know, and... Uh, you, you make the decision and it always turns out fine. You know, I think no decision uh, in life is, uh, is, not, is unhealthy. Just make the decision, then change it later if it didn't turn out right. Yeah. And, uh, and travel. Uh, luckily, she likes to travel, so we keep travelling. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah big shout-out to uh, Nicole, <laughs> uh, who uh, I've, I've also become wonderful friends with through, through Jim and his practice. Uh, mate, that's incredible. Um, so what's next for you, Dr. Jim, with everything you're involved in for the rest of the year and beyond? All right, well, look, uh, Emma, as I mentioned before to you, is that uh, we're going to have to move our practice uh, probably upstairs, I hope, in the same building, and they're renovating the, uh, the, the whole building, well, the downstairs of the building, and then... I would expect in 2019 we're going to open up uh, what I hope to be the the best eye clinic in the country, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, by, by 2019. By 2019, when we come back down here, we're going to be on fire. You know, I just uh, I just can feel it. I've got designs in my mind, and I'm really excited. You know, most of my colleagues are thinking about retiring, uh, not me. I'm going to be around till I'm 87. I can assure you, I'll be practicing optometry. That's fantastic, mate. I love I love it. Uh, how can listeners get in touch with you online? Oh, just look up the eye practice or Jim Kokonakis. Uh, you'll find me straight away. There's not many Kokonakises. Well, the tennis player is uh, other than him. That's true. I, but he'll be he'll be above me on the search. I can assure you. <laughs> that's uh, that, that, that's uh, how I found Jim. Actually, <laughs> I, I typed in dry eye uh, Sydney and and yeah, um, find Jim's us. practice uh, the eye practice the eye practice yeah um, turned up. Uh, mate, thank you so much for your time um, and more importantly for doing the work that you do in evangelizing better eye behavior and in sharing your wisdom, mate. Um, thank you for uh, sharing it with the Giant Thinkers community. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. All the best. Giants, I hope you enjoyed this one and more importantly that you learnt a few things from Dr. Jim. I'm a regular visitor at his practice and every visit I learn something new from him. If you have been enjoying these podcasts, it would mean the world to me if you leave a review on iTunes. 
the better the reviews, the more exposure, the more exposure, the more opportunity to reach compelling expert guests for the show for us all to learn from. So head to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review. Now a tiny teaser for our next guest. It's a big one from being a former professional football player who suffered a career ending injury to now an international lifestyle entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, has a top 100 podcast in the world and founder of a multi-million dollar online media company. He shares the struggles of negativity, loneliness, and rediscovering his identity. Stay tuned for that one. Briefly, before you race off, please check out Treehouse. They are an online technology school offering courses in web design and coding from HTML, CSS, PHP, to JavaScript, Python, and iOS in the space of web, mobile, and game development, taught by a team of in-house expert teachers. If you head to giantthinkers.com slash treehouse, they're giving the Giant Thinkers community a seven-day free trial, so you can try it out with no commitment. On top of that, if you're happy with the trial and thereafter continue learning on Treehouse, let me know and I will personally give the first five students a one-hour Skype call coaching session each for free. So if you'd like to learn how to code, are interested in becoming a developer, and are after the skills to get a job as one, pop over to giantthinkers.com slash treehouse. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me is on Snapchat or Instagram. Send me a message via my handle, the giant thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I loved from Dr. Jim who said, the cause of eye strain is using our eyes for what they were never meant to do. So prioritize some zero screen time, get some sun, fresh air, and enjoy the outdoor scenery.